North Korea has fired an intercontinental ballistic missile, a launch which comes after a series of missile launches lately. Now, in response to American B-1B bombers were redeployed to the Korean Peninsula to conduct joint drills with South Korea. Both North Korea and the U.S. with its allies are not backing down from their stances. The North firing missiles and the U.S. and its allies conducting military drills, which North Korea sees as a rehearsal for invasion. In this edition of the Spotlight, we will look at why the U.S., which has strangled North Korea with sanctions, has chosen a military approach towards nuclear-armed North Korea instead of diplomacy. First, let me introduce our guests for this edition of the Spotlight. William Jones from the Executive Intelligence Review joins us from Washington, D.C. Also joining us, Jeff Brown. He is a geopolitical analyst who joins us from Normandy. Gentlemen, welcome to you both. Uh, Jeff Brown, I'll first start with you. We're looking at a missile launch, uh, this intercontinental ballistic missile launch, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, a Hwasong-17, uh, which is dubbed by analysts as a monster missile. It comes after a series of missile tests uh, that North has conducted lately. Why do you think uh, North Korea is launching so many missiles at, at this point in time? The situation in Korea, we need to go back to the ceasefire in 1953. The United States has stalled and refused to sign an armistice with North Korea. They um, resisted from day one. Uh, the United States has 73 military bases in South Korea, uh, a country the size of Switzerland, uh, and 30,000 troops. Um, they recently got caught uh, the United States recently got caught using bio, releasing bioweapons in South Korea. <clears throat> they have a lot of reason. They have a lot of reasons to uh, be. It's not. It's, it's not. It's just not something recent. This has been going on since 1953, and they remember what happened to Iraq well, after they got rid of their chemical weapons, and they remember what happened to Libya after Libya got rid of its. Um, weapons of mass destruction. Of course, both of the countries were destroyed by the United States. So the North Koreans want to make sure that everybody understands that that uh, they are not Libya and Iraq. Okay. Well, uh, we're looking at the reaction from uh, the U.S., uh, in this case, in Point William Jones, which has been a typical reaction, uh, and that is two American B-1B bombers that were redeployed to the Korean Peninsula in uh, what was uh, then uh, uh, joint drills with South Korea's military. And, uh, of course, uh, North Korea sees that as not only a provocation, but also, in the bigger picture, a rehearsal for invasion. Uh, well, here's a thought. Why doesn't the U.S. stop these military drills and instead use diplomacy or talks instead? Well, I think the, uh, the attitude now today is to play hardball on all of these so-called geopolitical uh, situations. You got to look at the uh, the international context now. Is that the U.S. has defined a policy, effectively, of uh, bringing down, at least cutting down Russia to a to a lower size today to uh, cease it uh, being a uh, major power. Now also, the attacks on on China were uh, restricting its development as a major player on the international arena. Uh, there, there have been backs and forth on this. The recent talks between Biden and Xi seem to be encouragement, but the general trend is in the opposite direction. North Korea sees this. North Korea, I think, wants to become a nuclear power. They feel that that's the only way they can really protect themselves. Uh, nevertheless, they have shown 
uh, a, a certain compromise, certain ability to compromise if there were uh, uh, moves from the Western side to do it during the Trump administration in particular. Uh, and I think they would as well. But now they see that the U.S. US and its so-called allies are moving to really uh, take control over uh, world politics. They're trying to isolate China and Russia. And that North Korea is using that opportunity to show what, what it can do. The fact that there is no uh, attempt, serious attempts or serious cooperation uh, by the U.S. and China to work together on this, uh, they feel that their position is relatively strong in terms of the international situation, and they can uh, in, incur these, uh, these provocations. And the problem is the U.S. seems to be uh, going up against this with, uh, with more uh, provocations which is going to only escalate the situation entirely. All right, so uh, you said it there. Uh, Jeff Brown, uh, our guest said it, escalate the situation. Our guest also said that the U.S. is playing hardball. Uh, 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 how, how do you see that approach? I mean, we're talking about not only the, I think there was 25 missile tests in one day, and then this intercontinental ballistic missile, which, by the way, can reach the U.S. mainland. You're uh, playing fire with uh, somebody, in this case in point, Kim Jong-un's sister, who has... Uh, uh, liken the U.S. to a barking dog seized with fear, um, pushing the Korean Peninsula towards a crisis uh, of which he obviously warned of the toughest counter action. And as I mentioned in my first question to you, this missile called the Hwasong-17 is dubbed by analysts as the monster missile. If I were the U.S., I would think twice about playing with fire, as the former U.S. President, U.S. Uh, President Donald Trump mentioned. Well, what's even more ridiculous uh, about the uh, the American position is, I'm sure that the Biden should know and uh, the uh, Pentagon should know that China and Russia, China and North Korea have a mutual defense treaty that they signed in 1961. It is still in effect. In fact, they 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 renewed it a, a few years ago. And China is, that's the only country that China has a mutual defense treaty with, and that's the only country that North Korea has a mutual defense treaty with. So if there is a conflagration on the Korean Peninsula, Korea, China is also the enemy, and they would be, they would be uh, uh, honor bound to defend Korea just like they did during the Korean War. And so this is, you know, but... You know, empires. You know, this is like the Roman Empire or the Persian Empire or every or the Greek Empire, and they 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 have lizard brains. They they have reptile brains. They 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 can only think of of, of projecting. You know, t you know, total dominance and total control, and I think that's what we're seeing today. I don't think anything will ever happen. But what's scary about all this is if what if there is a sort of a, you know, one of the, you know the Cuban Missile Crisis or something like that, where there's a, a misunderstanding and the United States thinks that the North Korea has shot a missile or vice versa, the United States to North Korea. That's what's so scary about all this is that if there's an accident or a misunderstanding, uh -huh. it could result in a, um, a, major, a major war. Okay, this point that you mentioned is a very important point, and I'm wondering, William Jones, uh, how China would react were there to be uh, an attack on the DPRK, uh, where our guest talked about a mutual defense treaty.
Can you tell us about that, if that still holds true, as our guest said, that it does? Uh, that, in a sense, it kind of mirrors what uh, NATO has, doesn't it, in terms of, uh, you know, if one of its members were attacked with Article 5 uh, to be triggered? Well, it, it certainly, uh, the treaty certainly is still intact. Uh, how the Chinese would react is still a, an open question. They would feel, that, of course, that that was an attack against them. We know it took them a while to, to make a decision on uh, in, during the Korean War. Uh, they didn't uh, themselves encourage uh, Kim, uh, Kim Il-sung to move to the South. But once this did happen and once the U.S. began to move all the way to the border with China, Ch the Chinese were prepared to, uh, to intervene on that. And at what point they would do that in terms of an attack on, uh, on North Korea is hard to say, but they could not let that go by without uh, some uh, political and military action on their part. Uh, this is their neighborhood. Uh, this uh, North Korea is their neighbor, not always uh, as controllable as one, one would like, but it is there and they feel that they should work together with them. And that's why they have been pushing the entire time in response to the more flagrant uh, missile launches uh, by uh, Kim Jong-un over the recent period, telling the United States that they have got to come to some kind of discussion. They've got to meet them halfway, North Korea, that is, in terms of what they what they feel is there are their own security concerns. And there has been no response on that from the United States. And I, I think China will push as, as much as they can, but if it leads to uh, military conflict, then really all bets are off. Okay. Well, uh, the U.S. is blaming Russia and China on a couple fronts here, um, Jeff Brown. Uh, one of them is that the U.N. in terms of the veto, uh, obviously. The other is that U.S. says China and Russia, they have leverage over North Korea. They can stop North Korea in their minds uh, in terms of the uh, missile test that, that, that's happening. Uh, and I'm curious as to how and why they would think that would be the case. And if they wanted that to be the case, why are they having such a militaristic approach, not only towards China, but towards Russia, especially given what's happening in Ukraine? The, that also brings up a good point. Uh, North Korea and China have most of the common border, but up in the very far north um, east uh, corner, uh, Russia has a common border with North Korea also. It's only 12 kilometers. But they have they have a railroad and road and they have a railroad and roads, or a road and th and it's it's also hard to imagine that if there was some kind of a conflagration on the peninsula, China, I think would be honor bound well, because they 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 didn't want MacArthur you know going up to the Yalu River in 1950, <laughs> and they sure don't want him they sure don't want the United States to have. Uh, nuclear missiles on their on the Yalu River today. So uh, that then where that's would likely really put Russia in a very, very difficult situation sharing a common border. Um, it's um, it's just I find it I, fi I find this a lot of posturing and I find it I find it um, just this is this is the typical behavior of empire. Empires. I remember Boutros Boutros Ghali, the former Secretary General of the United Nations, in his private papers after he after he retired, said that empires don't do diplomacy, and the Roman Empire didn't do diplomacy. And he said the United States is an empire, and it doesn't do diplomacy either. 
it simply wants to it simply wants to uh, 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 frighten force it's all it's all about force it's all about it's all about you know okay I, I, we're, we're having we're having problems. The United uh, States. I'm sorry, we're having problems uh, with your connection there. Well, let's uh, let's move on to maybe what other um, motives the U.S. may have here, uh, William Jones. And that may be just money. Maybe the U.S. is a war profiteer because we're looking, kind of in a sense, what it's doing uh, with uh, uh, countries uh, in Europe when it comes to Ukraine, uh, making uh, scaremongering them into the fact that Russia uh, has done what it's done to Ukraine and you may be next. And in this area of the world, it may be doing the same with those countries. For example, when it comes to arms sales, recently uh, when there was a missile test, Japan uh, is now intimidated, wants to double its military budget, um, and the government next month is, is uh, going to propose doubling their defense budget over the next decade. And it's going to um, include acquiring uh, acquisitions of long-range strike-type uh, missiles. Um, or weapons, I should say. Do you think that that is a goal maybe the U.S. has? Because we know it does that to Taiwan also. Well, that, it's certainly fueling the machine. Uh, I can tell you that. Uh, I don't think it's, it's as simple uh, as uh, seeing that uh, they're making money by conducting the war. They are doing that, but the reason they're conducting the war is because of the mindset. And the mindset is not making money it's making it's it's uh, maintaining power maintaining unilateral power over the so-called rules of the road and of course you've got a situation today you know talk, people talk about the thucydides trap uh which is you know a lot of a lot of it's uh, uh not accurate but the, the fact of the matter is that the world is changing in such a way that uh powers like china and also powers like Russia feel that they ought to have a say in how the world is governed. And rightly, they should, given their size, given the population in China, especially not only the population, but the economic power, the number two uh, economic power in the world, the biggest trading, uh, part, uh, trading country in the world, should have something to say over that. And maybe it's different than what the United States thinks. But we're not in a situation that, as we did have after the uh, fall of the Soviet Union, where the U.S. basically is, is calling the shots. And the United States politicians, the political elites, don't realize that this requires a change of the governance model, which includes those countries, which now are major powers, to come to agreements on the rules of the road. And that is the biggest problem, that Biden is really kind of living in the days of uh, the post-Cold War period, and he wants to go back there. But the uh, reality on the ground is much different. And they can go as far as creating a war or the danger of nuclear war, which, of course, is occurring now, that danger, as everybody knows, in the situation in Ukraine. Uh, but they, they will not real realize their goals, but they may realize the end of humanity as a result of that. So it's a, it's a uh, there's there's no uh, exit to this except changing the mindset and accepting the fact that these countries, these major powers in particular, have got to get together and resolve their their issues diplomatically and not on the battlefield. Well, how is that going to come about, Jeff Brown? And we take a look at the U.S. in terms of the way that uh, um, 
its approach towards Ukraine has been fueled by uh, uh, the uh, provocation towards Russia, which, you know, every so often and maybe even more now, we're hearing about uh, the possibility of nuclear weapons being used. So that's on the one hand. And then you have this situation that's unfolding uh, in the Korean Peninsula, again, with North Korea having nuclear weapons that may be used. Uh, the common factor here, in a sense, is the U.S. Do you think that the U.S. is teetering on this issue for geopolitical gains? But then does that make any sense? Well, I think William is right. The, the, you know, again, I, I always like to use the, you know, the metaphor, you know, the, the Western leaders have, have reptile brains and and they 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 only they can only go in one direction: attack, dominate, occupy, exploit. I mean, this 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 is the mentality, and the United States is top dog in the West, essentially NATO, along with Australia. And I I don't see them I I don't see them changing. I you know I, um, uh, you know President Trump did try to to make some peace with North Korea, but he uh, was obviously side, you know, sideswiped by um, bureaucrats and, and, and other people around him. He was pretty well sabotaged in, in, in trying to do something, but, you know, Lord knows he did try. Um, I just, <clears throat> you know, unless there's a change in 2024, and um, maybe Trump gets back in, maybe gets back in the White House, um, I don't see anything changing. I mean, the, the, this is, um, I mean, Ukraine. You know, we've got Yemen, we've got Syria, we've got Iran, we've got, you know, North Korea. We've got. It's just, it just goes on and on and on, and and full spectrum dominance. That's what they want. They want full spectrum dominance on everybody who is a perceived enemy. And unfortunately, that's most of that's most of, most of the world that dis, you know that anybody that disagrees with Cuba, Venezuela, Bolivia, uh, you know Argentina, now Lula in Brazil. We'll see what happens there. Um, it's um, the U.S. The U.S. I think I think is unhinged, and it is it's a, it's a very very dangerous situation. Uh, but I've got my fingers crossed that we'll be okay. Yeah, we had four minutes left to the program. Maybe we could have continued with that, but that's okay. All right, so William Jones, uh, what are we looking at here if there is to be a breakthrough? Uh, if we want to put uh, certain uh, aspects of the world where the U.S. is engaged along with its attitude of world dominance, but it's not proving to be successful, mm, the situation in particular, the topic of our program, uh, the Korean Peninsula situation is uh, really escalating in the way that it is. Uh, based on what we have seen with the missile launches. Um, so the North Korea is not backing down. Is there uh, a big um, exchange or a give and take that needs to take place here? Or are we simply looking at uh, the North Korean uh, case that sanctions, there needs to be concessions given, for example, when it comes to sanctions, which it doesn't seem like the U.S. is even open to discuss that at this point. Well, first of all, there would have to be talks uh, between the two parties, which of course aren't aren't taking place anytime soon, but I, I think the reality is that what you will see is that the concentration of all these crises is already leading to popular revolt 
in Europe and to a lesser extent also here in the United States, although I think we'll see more and more of this as the economic situation declines as a result of these policies. And poly even politicians who have a certain mindset uh, know the reality of, uh, of elections and, and the revolts and people out on the street demonstrating. I think that is going to uh, turn the minds, first of all, of a lot of the European leaders who have been on this on board this policy but are very reticent about it, uh, as well as uh, here in the United States. You're going to see a lot more turmoil as the dust settles over the midterm elections. And I think it's only in that condition, those conditions, that there will be a shift of a mindset because reality on the ground has changed for these political elites. How that will affect North Korea, uh, I think there's going, it, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But uh, I think there will be more backs and forth, more tit for tat in terms of uh, the reaction on both sides. But at some point, uh, I think uh, even other countries, including China, will probably intervene a little more forcefully on the diplomatic issue now that there is communication between the United States and China at various levels to try and, and find a solution where the U.S. Would, would at least agree to open some talks uh, with the North Koreans, because as, mm -hmm. as it's going now, uh, it will only lead to, uh, to conflict. Well, Jeff Brown, our guest, Sir William Jones, uh, talks about how there is, as he just said, uh, communication between uh, uh, China and the U.S. Really, I mean, is, is that a, some kind of breakthrough of any sense? Or uh, ultimately, the U.S. is still uh, really after China and wants this uh, zone or this area, this region, the Korean Peninsula, to be militarized because ultimately he wants to go after China. So it's going to keep on with the arms sales of all, all the allies and trying to break through, especially when it comes to the area of trade, like we saw with the push in ASEAN recently, where it presented a strategic partnership to the ASEAN countries, wants to pull those countries into its sphere. So when it has these countries by its side, the ultimate goal being China, that it can go after China more easily. Or, or is that a correct window to look at when it comes to this? Well, of course, the United States wants to destroy Russia first because the ultimate target is China. China is the ultimate um, uh, country that they want to conquer and dominate because of its massive economy. In PPP terms, it's already, it's already been the number one economy since 2014. Even the World Bank says that. Uh, and so, and I, I do want to say... This, we cannot forget that, remember Bill Clinton and North Korea and how they had all this great cooperation going and and uh, both sides made a, made a good faith effort. And then George Bush, you know, got, got into office and, it, and, and then North Korea suddenly became a member of the axis of evil. So you, it's, it's, it's very, it's, we have to understand that the North Koreans have every right to be cynical and not believe anything that the Americans say. Uh, and but again, maybe with a change in the White Good. House in 2024, it might happen. Thank you for that. We're going to end it there. That's Jeff Brown, geopolitical analyst from Normandy. Thank you so much. And William Jones from the Executive Intelligence Review from Washington, D.C. Thank you to you both. With that, we come to an end for this edition of the Spotlight from Becovitawi and the team. It's goodbye.